Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. What's that? I couldn't hear you. I'm Robert Kane. Well, one more time. It's still loud in my ears. It's intro music. I can't hear anything <laughs> it anymore. It gets adjusted when I do the post-editing. Well, it's very Stop loud. Sorry, listeners. What's if... your name? My name's Rick. Do you have a last name, Rick? Rick Romlick. All right. All Welcome right. Welcome to Simple Theology. How are you doing? Good, man. Um, been a good weekend. Had the, the joy of babysitting Rob's daughter for a couple days, a day, yesterday yeah. and today. Rob um, had to do some just real serious marriage counseling. Um, him and his wife, just, it's tough. <laughs> Dummy. We went camping. Um, so yeah, we had a good we time. Know that's Kurt and were nice enough to watch <laughs> Finn for us. And uh, it looks like they survived. Finley survived. Yeah. So appreciate you guys good. keeping her alive. But I am excited because we have a guest today, mm. and his name's Kevin, Kevin Nattinger, and he's the guy who actually introduced me to Reformed Theology. So Kevin is... Kevin! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Ke- Kevin is one of the smartest dudes I know, um, theologically, but also just in general. I think, Kevin, what'd you score, like a 34, 35 on your ACT? I will neither confirm nor deny. Okay. Kevin scored a 36. So, <laughs> okay, it's 34 or 35, one of those. I think he scored a 36 on math, though, right? Nope. <laughs> he scored very high. Very, very high. Rob, if you actually, Kevin's a smart if dude. If you had his, his score memorized, that would be slightly concerning. I'll just be honest. Well, when it's that high, you remember it. It's very <laughs> impressive. You, don't, you didn't remember it. So. Well, it was one of those. I'm pretty sure it's 35. But anyway, Kevin, in a real brief nutshell, tell us real quick about you and why you don't live in Columbus, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I, I don't live in Columbus uh, because I am an engineer and I do research and all the fun jobs are in Dayton, Ohio. Mm. So I live in Dayton with my wife of five years. Congra- um, congratulations. Weeks less than Robert. Um, That's right. Our dog, Jack. Great dog. And Kevin's wife, Marcy, we actually know mm-hmm. because her dad was our pastor for like for well, me it was he like, also went to youth group with her for a lot of years well yeah that too but <laughs> yeah we also know her personally yeah, yeah. no personally but like, <laughs> her dad was rick and i's pastor for like 12 years or something like that right 10 years for me yeah 10 i don't know maybe, maybe it was 12 for me i don't know yeah regardless my wife longer than i have that's true yep that's true yeah. but kevin is with us yes. and we're stoked about that um but we are as you guys can tell by the title of the episode, we're talking about a fairly serious topic. Mm-hmm. And um, just as a disclaimer, um, as we talk about these things, if you have any kind of suicidal thoughts or if it's something that you wrestle with, we hope that this episode will be helpful for you. But more than anything, we would encourage you, one, to talk to your pastor we we really want this this podcast to be a resource for you to encourage you however we're not your pastors and so we would encourage you to first and foremost talk to your pastor um if you have the chance talk to a close friend as well um and then if if neither of those are available or maybe you have done both of those things and you're still wrestling then by all means call the national suicide prevention lifeline which that number is 1-800-273-TALK that's 1-800-273-TALK, and that's those last four digits are 8255 if you don't want to look at a keypad. So we want to get that disclaimer 
out just to begin with. But Rick, Mm -hmm. as we talk about this topic, suicide, what kind of experiences, interactions, in what ways has suicide impacted your life? Do you have any uh, friends, relatives, coworkers that... Yeah, so um, it's it's somewhat distant. The, the closest person for me was a coworker, um, a guy I worked with, and I mean, we hear the same kind of story all the time. I mean, just the nicest guy. It was always very upbeat, very positive. Um, and then one day I came into work, and another coworker said, "Hey, you know, did you hear about so and so?" And I said, "We talked." No, it's like, you know, he took his life last night. And so. Um, well, those things, like, I think that just kind of reverberates through the whole company, and just, I mean, it's very devastating, but, and that was just for, you know, a co-worker, that wasn't someone, a family member, or a close friend, even, but it, it's just hard to imagine where that person's at when they, when they fulfill or that act, when they complete that act, and where they were just a few days or hours before, yeah. and how you wish you could have done something. Um, so yeah, that's for me, I've never really struggled personally with depression, um, or anything like that when I was younger, early, early teens or early, yeah, teen years. Um, I dealt with some, some bullying and stuff when I was a little kid and then my teens a little bit. And even then suicide wasn't something that I contemplated a lot, but I remember one time just thinking maybe it's just easier, but that was just like a blip on the radar. You know, and but you do see where the world, looking out throughout society, it's just depressing. It's dark, and you see where people can get the idea of well, what's there to live for. So, yeah. for me though, it hasn't been as close as it has been for a lot of people, and even for for you. Yeah. So so the reason um, I, I probably should have said this beforehand, but the reason that we're getting into this topic is because of, of recent events, and we're not the first ones to talk about it. There have been plenty of other podcasts that have talked about it, plenty of other other articles that have um, written about it. But um, for those of you who are kind of keep your thumb on the pulse of some evangelical society, uh, a very famous pastor named Jared Wilson, who was one of the pastors at um, Harvest Church. Um, I don't know the full name of the church. I'm going to say it's Harvest Fellowship. I could be wrong, but, but it's the church that Greg Laurie pastors. But Jared Wilson was one of the one of the pastors for one of their locations, and he and his wife had a, um, a foundation for suicide prevention. He had been very open about his struggle with depression, and it was, um, what was the exact day, does it say? Um, I'll get it here in just a second. I'm going to say it was, a couple, it was a couple weeks ago, but it, what happened was on that day, he did a funeral for someone who had committed suicide. And then sadly, after the funeral, he himself ended up taking his life. And he had been had been very open about his, his struggle, and the church has rallied around his, his wife and kids, and his wife has responded in just amazing ways. I was reading some of her responses, and I'm not one who tends to cry easily, but I was, I was brought to tears just seeing her response to the situation. Mm-hmm. So... Praise God for the way that she has responded. But then we also see other famous people just in society. I mean, I think of Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's something that a lot of us have been impacted by one way or the other. Me, I had a, a co-worker that I worked with for about a year and a half. And um, just randomly one day, 
Um, it, it was after he had left the company, but we heard that he had taken his life and depression was something that he had wrestled with. And, and I was just broken over it because I had not in as intention, I have not had not been as intentional as I know I could have been when it comes to sharing the gospel with him. And to my knowledge, he was not a believer and did not become one. And so I was kind of torn up by that. But then I also had an aunt who took her life. So again, someone who, who wrestled with severe depression. So those are the, the experiences and interactions that I've had with mm-hmm. it. Kevin yeah. uh, brought you on. What kind of uh, experiences have you had with that? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, pretty, pretty recently, uh, pretty devastating uh, experience with suicide, which is kind of probably why I'm talking about this topic. But um, my uh, cousin, who's essentially my adopted brother, um, committed suicide on July 30th. Um, he was in the uh, army. Uh, so this is public knowledge, you know, it's not like, yeah. you know, my name and his name is very, very tightly knitted together in that, uh, in his obituary and whatnot. But, um, he was, um, newly a new, um, infantry, uh, paratrooper in the army and, uh, committed suicide over in uh, Germany. So yeah, very recent. Yeah. Very, very recent, very close to home for you. Um, yeah. So, so there have been, um, like we, like we said, we're not the first ones to talk about this and there have been some really helpful articles, really. I mean, I'm sure there's some good books out there as well on this topic. Um, some helpful podcasts where people talk about this thing, but there is an article that um, all three of us have read that was by, uh, the gospel coalition and it is by Miguel Nunez and it's titled, can a Christian commit suicide? Very helpful article. We'll link to it in the show notes, but essentially we're just going to walk through it because we think that the things that he taught, he, he covers are, um, he covers them well and he covers them pastorally, but he also answers some of the lingering questions that people have whenever something like this happens, especially with a fellow Christian. Mm -hmm. So, um, getting into it. So there's been this, um, this like idea, right? That and Kevin, you grew up Roman Catholic, so you could probably attest to this. That um, suicide is the one sin that cannot be forgiven. It's the quote-unquote unforgivable sin, and that comes from uh, the Roman Catholic understanding of uh, repentance. And if you commit suicide, then you're not able to uh, repent of your sin because you've taken your life, and you don't have any time now to. Uh, go to confession or to have any kind of uh, repentance to ask for forgiveness for that. So people either with that kind of background or who have come across it oftentimes ask, can a Christian commit suicide? And aside from the Catholic Church, there are kind of three other predominant views. And so the first one says that a true Christian would never commit suicide since God wouldn't allow it. The second one is a Christian may commit suicide, but would lose his salvation. And the third one, and this is really um, the camp that all three of us kind of fall into, is that a Christian may commit suicide without losing his salvation. So um, one of the things we have to ask is what does scripture say? Because that's ultimately our final authority, and so we want to talk about what does the scripture say about this topic. But one of the things that are helpful is... First, checking and seeing, like, are there any instances of suicide within the text, within Scripture? And we do see uh, some of that. We see uh, general references to it where Satan tempts Jesus to commit suicide. 
um, the Philippian jailer uh, proposed to commit suicide. Um, we see in Revelation 9 that during the Great Tribulation, many will attempt to commit suicide. And then um, Saul committed suicide in 1 Samuel 31. And then you read it again in 1 Chronicles 10. Um, Saul's armor bearer fell on his sword. Ahithophel, who was a counselor of David and Absalom, Zimri, uh, Judas Iscariot. And so we, we see these various examples. There's, they're, they're scattered throughout Scripture. And some people would even say that Samson uh, committed suicide. Others would say, no, that wasn't really suicide. But um, we see these various examples throughout Scripture. Uh, but something to note is that Scripture doesn't really give a pronouncement of, of judgment based off of that act. However, all of those characters aren't exactly role models of moral behavior um, in the text. However, um, it is, we do run across it in Scripture. So it is there, but we want to make sure that we're using Scriptures to inform our understanding of this topic. So there's a list here in this article, and we're just kind of go every other here, um, and we'll, we'll kind of talk through each of these topics. But Kevin, if you want to start us off with that first one, what does the Bible say with regards to um, humanity and this whole topic of, of suicide? Yeah, um, this first point here is uh, that humanity is totally depraved. I'm sure this is something you guys have talked about uh, many times here on your podcast, but um, you know, this means that as as soon as we're born, um, we are spiritually dead, right? Um, that has nothing to do with what we do, but it's rather who we are, you know, by our very nature. And um, this is obviously just kind of like a one-on-one review, right? But um, this affects every part of our lives, right? So we we do things based out of you know our actual nature, right? Not just you know what we've grown up understanding and believing, right? The nature versus nurture thing. Um, but you know, every part of our being then is tainted by sin, just as well as the world we live in. Right. So God's creation was wonderful and beautiful and perfect. And in large parts is still actually wonderful and beautiful. It's just not perfect. Right. So, yeah. um, even as Christians, we're still left with, you know, indwelling sin, of course, and that's kind of one of the next points here, but, um, the, the bottom, bottom line here for, for suicide, especially is that, um, you know, as soon as the fall happens, um, the way God made even our biology, right, um, specifically like our brains, obviously, for suicide specifically, um, was just messed up, right? Um, it's imperfect, and it won't be perfect again until, you know, we're in heaven with him or he comes here. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's good to remember, uh, like, that starting point where we start as all humanity in that depraved and need of a Savior. We've talked a lot about that. Um, but there, there's this thing that Christ does to, to us. He regenerates us, those who are His, and, and makes us new. And so the idea is that as, as regenerated people, new creations in Christ, we still continue to sin. Um, and we're, we're, we're guilty for that, but the price, the atonement, has been previously paid by Christ for that. Um, and so every sin is forgivable except for the unforgivable sin in Romans uh, chapter 7, which is kind of confusing. And, and Rob, you're going to share a little bit about that. Romans chapter 7? The unforgivable sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. So that, that unforgivable sin, quote-unquote, um, is in Mark chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 12, which I should probably have pulled that up. So hold on a second. Let me pull, let me actually use my Bible and head over to 
Mark chapter 3, verses 25 through 32. So let's look at this. Mark chapter 3, verse 25. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So this sin that can be committed, that is an unforgivable sin, is not suicide. It's actually seen here as blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple different ways in which people view that. Some people call that continual rejection of the Spirit's work in salvation. Mm-hmm. Other people would say that it's attributing uh, the work of the Holy Spirit to uh, demons or to Satan and his work. But regardless, that what the, what the baseline understanding is, is that that unforgivable sin is something that unbelievers mm-hmm. commit. It's not something that those who are in Christ commit and then end up um, losing their salvation because in the Reformed camp, when it comes to the idea of losing salvation, and, and like not even just the Reformed camp, but Baptist camp, right here in the CMA, like most camps who, who believe that you cannot lose your salvation recognize the logical fallacy that if you were able to do something mm-hmm. to lose your salvation— then that means inherently that you're currently doing something to keep your salvation. Right. And we recognize that salvation is by faith alone, uh, through grace alone, to God's glory. I mean, the, the five solas, but like it is strictly by grace alone. Right. It, it is not anything that we have done. I mean, look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. So when it comes to this idea of, a, of an unforgivable sin, the, the main point that we want to get out of this is that it's not suicide. It is this idea of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and it's not believers who do that; it's unbelievers. And to add what Kevin said, um, it's it's all other sins are forgivable, and Christ has forgiven you, not not the Roman Catholic priest or the Pope or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus makes it clear that there's only one sin, right? That is unforgivable, right? And that that alone, and then if we know that that one sin does not directly refer to suicide, then it's pretty. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, Kev, you got that next one? Yeah. So the next uh, point here is that um, uh, you know, suicide is uh, is murder, right? It's uh, you know, that's so f- yeah. Flesh I, flesh that out a little bit. What? Oh, that uh, it's taking your own life. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Suicide with the word itself, right? Suicide is kill. So killing oneself. So you're committing murder, um, but you're committing murder on yourself. And um, we see in Scripture plenty of times, the, the one mentioned here is David killing Uriah, right? Um, and we, uh, to our, our knowledge, David is celebrating with Jesus in heaven. That, that's pretty clear. And uh, that did not um, invalidate um, David's salvation, right? We've all heard plenty of, I mean, no one in uh, a Reformed um, or even just evangelical, like, you know, uh, church or in, in, that would subscribe to an evangelical faith, uh, would say that a murderer can't be saved, right? Paul yeah. would obviously not be here. Um, plenty of other, other like believers <laughs> yeah, as well. Right. Right? So if if the 
object of your murder is really what gets you kicked out of heaven, right? Then, you know, you're, I don't, where do you find the basis for that? Right. So just because, you know, if I kill Rob, do I, do I, I can go to heaven, right? But if I kill myself, you know, I don't go to heaven, right? right. Yeah. Um, both, obviously. Both being murder. Both being murder. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think the argument for the, the suicide equals hell really comes pretty much from the argument that you have to repent of all sin before you were to die. And that very idea would haunt everyone if that was a reality. <laughs> like, I'd constantly like, all right, Lord, I'm re-upping, right? It's like when you're a kid and you'd like save the video game every, you know, like every yeah. 13 or if you're, seconds because it's going to like, you might die. Or if you're in business, like, and you're working on a document or maybe you're a student, yeah. you're writing a paper, like always saving, always yes. saving. I've had papers that were nearly done be erased because something happened and it's the most frustrating thing right and that's not the, the that's not the kind of god we serve i mean you know it's just not he he paid the price for our sin he sacrificed on the cross for all of our sin past present and into the future and it's, it's just really important that we remember that i'm gonna read a passage for us um out of colossians 2 13 through 14 and it says and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, all of our sin, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. All of our sin, all of our debt has been paid for, so therefore there's not a sin that we can commit outside of the one that we just talked about that can be committed and, and we have to like seek forgiveness. Like the Lord has paid the price for all of that. If we are um, if, in Christ, yeah, yeah, and and just to build off of that, the fact that like all of our sins were past, present, and future were forgiven at Calvary. I mean, just looking at what Jesus said on the cross, He said, "It is finished." Mm -hmm. And what 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 we see is that He justified us on on the cross. What He did by paying for our sin by what you said, satisfying the, the legal demands or the, the righteous demands of, of God. And what we see is that it's not just that um, he made us justifiable, it's that he justified us. And so uh, there's a passage, Romans 3, uh, starting in verse 23, that I'm going to read. It says, uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, a verse that most of us have memorized, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So the one who has faith in Jesus is not justifiable. It's that they have been justified, and God is just and the one who justifies. And so, just to build off what you were saying about um, all of our sins, past, present, and future, being taken care of on the cross. So, um, with that, Kevin, there are two Christian camps, right? Are there just two? Just two. There's only two. <laughs> all right. Um, so, when, when it comes to, like, this idea of suicide, and some would say that a, a true believer can commit suicide— and others would say that a true believer cannot commit suicide. And yeah. in fact, that, that suicide would be evidence that they were never a believer to begin with. Could yeah. you speak to that just a little bit? 
<clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, the evidence of, of someone committing suicide, you know, this is the argument, I guess, would suggest, you know, is basically a um, bad fruit, right? Kind of demonstrates, you know, ooh, I'm sure they were ever a Christian, right? So the way we, you know, um, are understanding our own assurance, right, and the assurance of others, right, in their actual, you know, objective salvation is whether or not we bear fruit over time, right? I mean, that's kind of like when John Piper is asked, like, John, how do you know you're saved? He's like, you know, I'm, I'm uh, persevering, you know, like, <laughs> that's, that's all we know. And that's all we can, uh, that's all we can know objectively, right? Um, so we do obviously um, have other trademarks of, you know, confessing um, and um, placing our faith in, in Jesus and professing that. But at the end of the day, we often look to our fruit and the fruit of others to say whether or not, you know, that person's a Christian or, and um, because we believe that if you are saved, you will persevere and be saved, right? Um, until the very end, you can't lose your salvation. So if you can't lose, if you can't, you know, stopping a Christian, then you always have the Holy Spirit working in you, right? That brings out, you know, all these fruits of the spirit, kindness, gentleness, patience, whatever. Yeah. The problem is, you know, suicide, as, as Rick talked about, um, you can't repent from it, right? So it's like the last thing you will ever do um, on the earth, right? The last thing. And um, it doesn't follow sort of the, the normal trend we see in a believer's life, right? So, you know, I've sinned probably plenty of times today. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, the next time I pray, I'm probably every, every, you know, every day we ask for forgiveness, right? We try to grow in sanctification. We'll have, you know, periods of our life where we'll kind of, you know, make some bad decisions or be a little um, uh, worse for wear in terms of actually exercising our faith. But then um, usually God just kind of brings us back to himself and we have a, you know, kind of some moments of restoration or whatever. Um, but you don't get that at all with suicide. It's just, it's just the act and boom, we're done here. And we're left on this side wondering, you know, what really was happening, you know, what happened underneath and we can never know actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting, I mean, this, this has to do with death in general, how we can be so far along in so many different areas of society and yet no one knows defend like no one can prove i mean there's books like you know, 30 yeah. minutes in heaven or you know <laughs> yeah whatever. Don't, don't read those guys um don't, think don't pay attention to those that's true but but it's such a reality in our society and so like to have these two different kind of ideas of one is like this is the last thing you'll do and it's gonna this act will determine eternity for you rather than no, there's something that has already been done that has determined the reality of your eternity. Yeah. It's not hinging on that last decision. Yeah, exactly. And and, that, and this goes without being said, but we just want to make sure we say on an episode like this, that even though we are advocating that suicide is not an unforgivable sin, that it is similar to the, the sin of murder, like Kevin pointed out earlier, murder of the self, um, and which is a perfectly forgivable um, sin. And even though we're saying that just because it's the last thing you do before you die, and we all recognize that we have sin that we haven't repented of today, and if a bomb were to land on the house and all of a sudden we're gone, like it doesn't mean that just because we haven't asked for forgiveness of those sins today that they're not already forgiven in Christ. So even though all of, we're saying all of those things, we still, by all means, do not want to advocate that, that suicide is okay. Yeah. or that it's an acceptable way out. We, I mean, we would encourage you 
that, again, if you are wrestling with this, talk to your pastor. Uh, talk to a close friend. Call that suicide helpline um, because the Lord will place you in circumstances in your life that you have no answers for, that you have no understanding as to why you may be in those, why you're wrestling with depression or whatever it is that you're wrestling with, and God will use those things for your good. And that's so, so easy for me to say sitting right here in this moment. Right. I'm not at all trying to say that I can empathize with everyone who may be wrestling with depression. By God's grace, that's something that I have not wrestled with. However, that doesn't make what we're saying any less true, that God will use those things as seasons in your life to draw you closer to himself. Suicide, although it's not an, an unforgivable sin, is not an, ex- not a, an answer that we would recommend yeah. in any, any kind of way. I think it's easy, it's easy to sit and, and make um, presumptions or to sit and, and say, hey, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. Um, and ultimately, like, we do need to, to do that. Because we, we do believe in the hope that is in Christ and that the, the answers, whether it's healing now or it's healing in eternity, it is coming for the believer. Yeah. But there's also an element where as a society we have lost the reality of eternity. And so even among unbelievers and just the culture at large, su- suicide rate, you know, is, is high and people can treat that as like, you know, we're just having a lot of conversations about it. So I think people are losing this the, the significance of what it really means, especially for non-believers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's massive. We're not talking about, like, just going into, you know, some kind of nothingness or, or, or a void or some kind of paradise. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a definite just hell of a reality. Yeah. And, and we, need to, we need to understand that. As we interact with people, coworkers, friends, family who, who don't know Christ and who struggle in these ways. Yeah, yeah. So... To summarize here, like we, we've already talked about how um, because of our depravity, there is really no sin that is outside of the bounds of us committing in our fallenness. Even as believers, the, the one sin that we're not going to commit is that unforgivable sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. However, aside from that, I mean, all other sin is on the table that we could end up falling into, including the sin of suicide. So to answer the question, can a believer commit suicide the answer is 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 yes Mm -hmm. um however we we certainly like would encourage (laughs) would encourage you to if you're if you're wrestling with this to to talk with somebody which i've already gone over plenty of times but just because the answer is yes that a believer can't commit suicide um does not does not mean that we're condoning suicide in any way so rick to summarize there are some points there do you want to go over those real quick yeah i mean i just just to I'm going to just say that we, we know for sure that as believers regenerated in Christ, Christ has atoned for our sin. We n- no longer need to repent of our sin every time we sin. We need to have a repentant heart, um, but we, we, we need not repent every time. So therefore, suicide is not an unforgivable sin. And it, um, you, what I read of Scripture and what we believe is you will not lose your salvation because of that. Um, and this is all wrapped up in, in the sacrifice, the atonement of Christ. So we do see also in Scripture a lot of examples of suicide, and those are, as we said, uh, associated with with people who did not, weren't following the Lord, weren't honoring Him with their lifestyle. 
But again, we, we can't take that and say, okay, now if you commit suicide, you're against God and you're you're um, a, an unbeliever, a heathen. Um, and also just understanding that suicide is a it's a great offense to the Lord. Um, you know, we said it's murder. It's murdering your own body. It's it's, it's um, destroying what He has created. And so we don't say that to shame people. I mean, um, but we also know when you're struggling with suicide, you're not you're not in a healthy position mentally. I mean, you're not having a bunch of clear, healthy, linear thoughts. You know, it's clouded, and it's generally a dark place to be. Um, I'm going to share just a few statistics, and then I want to I want to read something a quote. Uh, suicide is the tenth leading cause of death in the U.S. for all ages. Um, every day in America, approximately 123 people die by suicide. Um, there's one death by suicide in the, in the U.S. every 12 minutes. And suicide takes the lives of over 44,000 Americans every year. Um, and there's more statistics, but those wow. are just some very serious things. And then um, this is a tweet from Jared Wilson hours before he, he, he took his own oh, life. Man. It says, Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us compassion and comfort. He always does that. Wow. wow. And again, I don't know where he was that this evening or that evening, all those things, but that's 100% true. Yeah. There is ultimate compassion and comfort and healing from the Lord. But it doesn't always come when we think it's going to. And, and I know that can sound very cliche. When I'm sitting here not in the darkness of depression, but that's the truth of Scripture. And we need to always anchor in to the truth of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, Kevin, uh, being somebody who has recently gone through the loss of a loved one, and not just a loved one, but someone that was essentially the closest thing that you had to, to a brother. What would you say to the person who maybe is listening to this and they've had some of those thoughts and um, maybe they're not in a, a space right now where they're thinking clearly or maybe it's something that they've wrestled with in the past and it, it pops up from time to time. As somebody who is on the other side who gets to pick up the pieces, so to speak, how would you talk to that person? Well, um, you know, I could probably say a lot of things um, because if I were to be honest, um, I would, there are, you know, there are an infinite number of reasons um, to not commit suicide. Um, to that person, I would, you know, I would say, you know, you're not alone. Um, you're not a defective person. Okay, you're not any worse off um, than anybody else. Um, what you're considering is a very uh, final solution to a really, really temporary problem. Um, you know, there are problems um, that sometimes can only be solved um, with, uh, with medication, honestly. Yeah. Um, my, my cousin um, probably had undiagnosed bipolar disorder. Um, it's a medical condition, you know. Because of the fall, you know, our whole beings are indwelled and just kind of jacked up due to sin. Yeah. And, you know, just because it looks on the surface 
like a philosophical spiritual problem, it also has medical and biological components, you know? So whoever, whoever whoever's struggling with it due to biological reasons um, where you're just confounded, you just don't understand why you are swinging from really happy, you know, manic states to really depressed states, you know, um, it's very, you know, you need to seek the right help. And so you need to seek help from your pastor, from, you know, someone who cares about you, whoever that is. Um, and then at the end of the day, if, if you um, have really kind of pursued a lot of spiritual uh, help and counsel, um, you may need medical counsel. And, you know, you might as well go seek it now <laughs> yeah. rather than yeah. anyway, you know. Um, so I wish more people sort of realize that, especially in Christian cultures, right? Because we think, man, uh, you need to just be like reading your Bible more or praying more right. or doing this yeah. more. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, like <laughs> if you're schizophrenic or, you know, you just have a chemical imbalance in your brain, like you, you really, you personally um, cannot change that um, without medical, you know, treatment. The Lord may, you know, just heal you of that randomly. And that probably happens sometimes. And we just assume it's, you know, like a spiritual, you know, breakthrough and um, a special like prayer or Bible yeah. study. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting not to, I don't know, Roger, you're going to say something, but how in our Christian community we can, one, we view mental health with, with a stigma like, man, you must not be a very good Christian because you're struggling with these things. But also, you know, we, we don't look at someone and say, I mean, there are segments of Christianity that do this, but they're on the fringes and we would condemn them. Most evangelicals don't say, man, if, if you just, we got there, Rob. <laughs> Sorry, there's, there's a fly on you. I got it. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Keep going. <laughs> I almost didn't do it, but <laughs> trying to get in, and Rob's just like brushing sorry. my hair, like stroking it more or less. I'm sorry. Um, but we wouldn't we wouldn't say to someone, um, we wouldn't expect someone with cancer just to to dig down and, and start reading their Bible more, and then it'd be gone. Or wow, you lost a limb. Well, just read scripture more, and then <laughs> it's going to come back. Yeah. Uh, we don't expect that, but yet we there are legit chemical, just physical imbalances. Um, and, and ultimately, it's, it's part of the fall, right? The fall of man. We live in a broken world. But we don't expect that person just to, to hunker down more and, and be better. And there are, pe- there are people where it's, it's a spiritual thing, and they, they need to sur- surround themselves with, with Scripture and, the, and Christians and all those things. But it's a, it's, a, it's a ludicrous thing to think, oh, just read your Scripture more, and, and you'll, be, you'll be good to go. Yeah, um, yeah. And we, yeah, we're doing no favors. So okay, so we've doing we've, damage. We've spoken to uh, those who may be wrestling with the idea of suicide. We've spoken to um, those who have kind of experienced some of the impacts of it. Let's say now, let's mm-hmm. speak to the um, regular church member mm-hmm. who is a part of a community group, and um, let's say somebody comes up to them either personally or within their community group, life group, small group, whatever you want to call it. And, and they confess to them, hey, I am struggling right now with depression and suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. What counsel would you give to that person, guy or girl, who someone has come to them, and um, whether it's them personally or whether it's them as a group with their community group, and said, like, hey, pray for me in this area. What would be some good next steps for them to, to counsel that person? Yeah, I mean, I think part of, the, part of that just depends on the context. I mean, if, if, if you're, you know, if it's kind of a calm situation, we're not talking like they're on the phone with you or they're getting ready to commit the act, but things are a little more low-key, then you need to be very, very compassionate with them and just say, I, I, I am I'm promising you I'm going to walk this road with you. 
So just commit right away. Like I'm, I'm not just. It's not like, a, hey, I'm here for you. Like, call me if you need me, or you know, my door's open to you. But you, you say, like, we're not, we're not content with this. I'm gonna walk with you through this, and you, and you begin to, I think, and just initially pray with them. That's the best thing you can do. And then um, let them, let them talk. Start asking. Let be a, a place that they can talk. So that's just like the way you can respond to them. But you have to get outside help. I mean, there's no way you can think, oh, I have someone who's suicidal, you know. I have a, I have enough wherewithal to deal with this. And yeah. It's like you need to talk to your pastor, talk to some counselors, um, and, and be that bridge for that person yeah. to, to those resources. Yeah, I would say, like, I would just to add to that, yeah. I would agree with all that very, very much, would be, you know, some practical things like, okay, you know, who do you, do you live with anybody? Do you live alone? You know, what's your life look like right now? Um, where we can kind of insert some things to really just safeguard you from yourself, right? You know, just just like you would for someone who um, is struggling with lust or looking at porn or whatever, like yeah. give me your phone, you know, like let's let's get rid of the laptop for a couple of days here. You know, you would put some practical things in their life um, because you never know when um, these temptations mm-hmm. um, or triggers, you know, kind of happen. Um, so you'd be doing them a favor. Right. And they probably are wanting that. That's why they're that's why they're reaching out in the first place. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Great point. Good counsel. Guys, any other last thoughts? before we wrap this up obviously it's a big topic very sober topic this has been a bit of a more sober episode we tried not to joke around too much on this one um but with a topic like this we're not going to be able to cover everything but is there anything that we left out that we want to make sure we we get in before we close this thing out i just think it's good that people know that they need to rest in the sovereignty of god in the midst of all the things, the chaos, the fallen, broken world, all the darkness, there's, we worship a sovereign, living God. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, we talked a lot about kind of answering this question, can a Christian commit suicide, right? And, and now towards the end, we're touching on the counsel to um, person commit, or sorry, considering suicide, um, those with suicidal thoughts. Um, but to someone who is just, uh, you know, um, kind of like us here, apparently, right? You guys haven't struggled too much with depression stuff. We're sort of kind of the lay people um, kind of on the outside, right? And um, I think it's helpful, you know, for me, it has been helpful for me and for um, our family and just talking to friends and stuff to think about, you know, um, that person um, take, you know, kind of walk in their shoes, right? So what I mean by this is some of what we've talked about already in terms of, you know, they they have serious depression that you you really just can't understand unless you're you're you've walked through it before, right? If you actually have some chemical whatever, or you really have had a worse <laughs> worse break than um, other people due to God's plan for your life, you just don't know. So imagine walking through that, um, having really um, a, just a horrible horrible um, you know suffering like constantly in your life, right? Um, uh, so I'll save the rest with this example. We were doing a membership interview at our church. And uh, the, the elder asked me to explain the gospel and I kind of like went, you know, kind of like did the thing and kind of explained it all perfectly or whatever. Right. And then um, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he started to add something. And I was like, wait, I'm not done. You know, we need to remember that at the end of all this, the points of um, one of the points of salvation, well, really the point is to bring us to God himself, right. And to make us whole again. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, my cousin, um, Jared Wilson, um, they're they're not struggling with this anymore. Yeah, yeah. We, as like the Christians surrounding people who have 
committed suicide are often just, we just don't want to like think about them anymore, you know, cause it's really painful and really difficult and it's just sad all around. I mean, it's just sad that, you know, you don't get to see them anymore, that they did them to themselves. They did this to their family, whatever, but you can rejoice in the fact that they're, they're not struggling with right. you know, depression anymore. They're not living every waking moment, you know, wondering why this is happening to them. You know, they're, they're fully experiencing the grace and glory of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, <laughs> not going to sin anymore. So, yeah. Um, Amen. Not an encouragement to uh, get there sooner because it's a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as Paul says, like, we're here, right, to live out God's um, work for us now. But yeah, we all want to be with, with Jesus. So, yeah. No. Amen. And well, fellas, thank you. Rick, you want to go ahead and close us out here? Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And again, if you want to, we just encourage you to talk to a pastor or a close friend. If you are struggling with one of these things, again, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can always reach out and contact us at simpletheology.org. Peace out.